Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Thank you, Pastor Phil. Come on, let's give it up for Pastor Phil. Come on, can we get it for the worship team? They did a phenomenal job leading us in worship today. Well, hey, do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and tell them you look good this morning. Can you do that real quick? Now tell the other neighbor, the one you didn't want to tell that to, tell them the same thing. Say, and you don't look too bad yourself. You don't, you don't look too shabby yourself. You did all right this morning. Well, hey, listen, I'm excited to be here. For those of you that didn't know, we started a brand new teaching series last Sunday, and it coincides with the book that I just released, and it's called It's Not Complicated. So one of the things that we wanted to do as a gift to everyone who calls Lighthouse Church their home is give you guys a copy of the book, and we did that last Sunday, but due to some shipping delays, we only had half of the books here, but the rest are here today, so you guys get a little bit of overflow. If you didn't grab a book yesterday, we've got books for you today, but then after today, we're kind of putting the lid on that, and the book will be available exclusively on Amazon, but again, that's going to be a gift from us to you. We'd love for you to grab that, so at the end of our service, you can go to that little table back there. I'll be there as well. We want to put a a book into your hands, but uh, really, I want to give you the why I wrote this book. The reason I wrote this book is to help people navigate their newfound journey in Christ. So someone who just made a commitment to follow Jesus, but are just like, what am I supposed to do next, Pastor Josh? And that's the audience that I wrote this book to. Over the years, we've seen people just come and come to Christ and they're they're making a decision to follow Jesus, but they're just not sure what their next steps are. So you are who I had in mind when I wrote this book. And um, so we're teaching from that today. We're going to go into part two today. If you didn't catch part one last Sunday, head on over to YouTube, catch the message, track with us. But um, it really is our desire to bless all of you and, and to see you just, just thrive in your walk together with Christ. Does that sound good, everybody? All right, let's go to Acts chapter 2, and let's read a passage of Scripture. I'm going to dive into our message, and uh, then I'm going to send you on your way, all right? So let's go to Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read a couple of verses, uh, Acts 2.37 and Acts 2.38. And again, welcome to everyone watching online. It's so good to have you together with us. All right, here we go. Acts 2.37 and 38 reads as follows. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Let me give you a little preface here. Peter was preaching the gospel message to them, letting them know that Jesus, the man that they had just crucified, was indeed the Messiah. And they were really convicted in their heart because the Jewish believers sent this man to a grave, so they thought. And Peter's telling them, no, he rose from the grave. And he's letting them know that he has resurrected. And they were feeling convicted like, oh, we messed up. But, but, but what do we do? And that's when Peter gives them really the, the, this verse that is such a fundamental verse to our faith. And he says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, before I give you my title, just I want you to get the severity of this message. 
When you read all the other books in the Bible, like Romans, Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, uh, all these letters that Paul wrote that really put some meat on the bones of the church's theology, they only had this right here. Like before there was Romans, we talked about Romans last week, before there was Ephesians, before there was Galatians, they had Peter's instructions. Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's how you're going to be saved, and that's what we're going to unpack in our time together. Does that sound all right? All right, let's talk about this thought that I have entitled, The Power to Change. The Power to Change. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you, God, for everything you are doing. Thank you, God, for your presence that is here. It's met with us. We've just felt you from the moment we've walked in. And now, God, I pray that as I speak to this audience, Lord, that you would speak individually. Would you meet each person in a unique way, in a personal way, meeting every place, Lord God, where they so desperately need you and that you already know about. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands, everybody, and you may be seated. Let's talk about the power to change. Now, let, let me ask a question here. This is not a hot take, but, but, but let, let me start off by asking the question, okay? Actually, it's not even a question. It's a statement, all right? But, but some of you are like, really? Do, do I really know the answer to this? You do. So let me make this statement. You already know all that you need to know to lose weight and live a healthy lifestyle. You already know it. You do. Okay. So let me, let me, let, let's filter through some of this. Is it necessary that you take pre-workout? Is it necessary that you take supplements? Is it necessary that you shop at Lululemon and have a subscription to Orange Theory or Rush or a Pilates studio? Is any of that really necessary? No. The truth is you guys already know the answer to this. There are two things you must do. Number one, you've got to eat good. Some of you are like, Pastor, I eat real good. No, not that type of good. I'm talking about like, like you got to eat food that's good for your body. And the second thing you've got to do is you got to move, right? You got to exercise. And, and, and really, we, we know this. We, we all know that this is what we need to do. But there is a gap between knowing and doing, isn't there? Oh, I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. Y'all are convicted. Don't worry. I'm in that boat with you guys, okay? There's a gap between knowing what to do and doing it. Like, like I know I should be eating a salad for lunch, but with weather like this? Come on, somebody. <laughs> it's 55 degrees outside. The last thing I want is cold lettuce, you know what I mean? I want something warm, you know? I want some carbohydrates in my body. So there's a gap between what we know to do and what we should do. And, and, and I use that as an analogy because I think likewise, in our walk with Christ, there exists a gap between what we know to do and what we do. And, and in the health industry, this is what makes miracle pills so popular, right? I mean, it's like, you know, all I got to do is move and eat well. But man, if this dude is selling a miracle pill, sign me up for that, like, like, I will take the pill that if I just take that in 21 days, I'll be fit. Those, th th those infomercials are hilarious, aren't they? I love the one where they're like, just strap this machine onto your stomach and it's going to shake and you're going to have abs. Like, you know that doesn't work. But somebody bought it. Like, obviously, somebody bought it. Like, you know there's no way you can eat cheeseburgers, strap something onto your stomach, and it's going to magically produce abs. That's, that's just not going to happen. But there's a gap between what we know to do 
and what we do and, and what we lack in that is really just the willpower. Everybody say willpower. What we lack is just the willpower, the power to do the thing that we already know to do. Well, today, that's what I want to talk about because I've got some good news for you. Y'all ready to write this down? Here's my first point, and it's going to hit, all right? When we say yes to Jesus, he gives us the power to change. When we say yes to Jesus, he gives us the power to change. Let's go back to what we talked about last Sunday. Last Sunday, we talked about when you receive Christ into your heart, when, when, when you reach out and say, Christ, I receive you into my life, he comes. He responds. He, he doesn't wait for you to get your act together. He, he doesn't wait for you to, to get your priorities straight. He comes at the moment you call out to him. That there's no qualifying that he needs to do. There's nothing that you could do to deserve him. There's nothing that you could do to earn him. There's nothing that you could do to make him want to come. He wants to come because he loves you. He, 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 he wants to come into his heart because he is madly in love with you, and he has good things for you, and all he's asking is for us to call out to him. So we talked about that last Sunday. If you missed it, please go back and catch it. It is foundational to what we're talking about today, but let me build on that, okay? So when you say, Jesus, I need you, when you say, Jesus, come into my heart, and I receive you into my heart, he doesn't come alone. If you're taking notes, write that down. Jesus doesn't come alone. Alone. Let me explain that to you, okay? Deuteronomy 6.4 is a passage of scripture in the Old Testament that talks about the nature of God, and it simply reads as follows. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Everybody say one. one. So what that means is throughout the scriptures, you're going to run into these different names for God, these different um, titles of him. They, they, they call him Father, but then we also have Jesus, and then there's the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we're like, I don't understand all of this. Well, I'm not going to deep dive into all of it, but let me just say that they are all one. Everybody say one. one. Th that's what we believe, and we find that through all throughout scriptures that, that all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are all one. And so let me build on that. When we said yes to Jesus... When we make a decision to receive Jesus into our heart, we also receive the Holy Spirit. I've illustrated this in the past where when Jesus comes into our heart, he doesn't come in and turn around and look at the Holy Spirit and say, hey, he didn't say you. He only said me. He received Jesus. He didn't receive Holy Spirit. No, they're together. You can't separate them. They are all one. Somebody say, hello, Holy Spirit. So when we said yes to Jesus, in that moment, we received the Holy Spirit as well. Now, we need to break that down, why we receive the Holy Spirit in that moment, and what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit in that moment. Because here's what we know. The Holy Spirit does not take up passive residence in our lives. I'll say that again. The Holy Spirit does not take up passive residence in our lives. The minute the Holy Spirit is in our life, he's getting to work. He's beginning to work in our life. He's putting some things into motion. And I love the way John 16, 13 describes what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Let me read it to you. It goes on to say, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Just, just write this down. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all the truth. Truth. Everybody say truth. truth. 
what the writer means when he is saying that is when you've received Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit is in your life now as well. And automatically, without you having to do anything, Holy Spirit's going to start talking to you. And some of y'all know what I'm talking about because let let me just pause for the cause and just say last Sunday, 12 people made a decision to receive Christ. Can we celebrate what God did last Sunday? Some of you are back today and you know what I'm talking about because all of a sudden during the week, something happened that you used to be okay with, but now you're like, it felt cringe. Like, it it just didn't work for you anymore. And what that is, is the Holy Spirit is now working in you. And as he guides you to the truth, part of what he does is he exposes lies. He he guides you into the truth by also exposing lies. So what happens are things that used to be okay with you are no longer okay with you. And and, and, and it's it's not that all of a sudden you're Jesus' first cousin. It's not that all of a sudden you're on a holy cloud. It's that the Holy Spirit is in you, and now he's guiding you to truth. He's going to start guiding you to the place that he's always intended you to be. He's going to start guiding you to the things that God has for you. Holy Spirit's going to come into your life and start directing your life. And and, and the thing is, we've got to wake up to the fact that he's in us now. All of us that are, that are on this path and following Christ, we need to wake up to the fact that, that he is in us now. And, and, and those times when you knew not to do something, you knew not to give in to something, you knew not to go somewhere and you went anywhere, and later you regretted it. Do you want to know why there's some regret? It's because the Holy Spirit was already telling you that wasn't for you. The Holy Spirit was already telling you that's not for you. And what you've got to do is get better at hearing his voice. And then I'm going to give you another word here. It's called discerning his voice. That way you know it's like, no, that's the Holy Spirit. That's not just leftovers from last night. You know what I mean? It's like, like no, that, that, that's God talking right there, okay? He, he's letting me know not to do this. Every now and then sometimes I, I get approached by someone. They're like, I felt like God told me to do this. I'm like, that's not God. No, 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 no. And some people are like, well, how do you know? Well, the first way is he'll never contradict his word. He'll never contradict his word. So anytime you think it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, the first filter you run it through is, is it in line with the scriptures? Because the primary way God talks to us today is through his word. That's the primary way God speaks to us today is through the Bible. This is why you got to get in your word. That's why you got to get in your word, okay? Get off of TikTok and get into your word. (laughs) Nothing wrong with TikTok. But I'm just saying, like, if you got time for that, you got time for the word of God. Amen? So, so he's going to speak to you primarily through his word, okay? But then also the Holy Spirit's going to come and talk to you as well. And, and, and this is when you're just on the road and on your go because I get it. You can't be in your word all the time. You got a job. You got places to go. You got children to raise. You got a wife to love on. And so, so it's not like you're going to have your nose in the word every second of the day, but the Holy Spirit's right inside of you and he's gonna be with you everywhere you go he's gonna be with you everywhere you grow everywhere you go the places you shouldn't be going he's going with you too the 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 environments you shouldn't be running into he's going with you too and what is he doing when he's there right he's he's pulling you 
and he, he's reminding you, hold on a second. You, you made a decision to follow Jesus. You, you no longer walk after the desires of your flesh. You, you made a decision to follow him, and that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life. The Holy Spirit is actively working in you. So, so let's, let's build on that truth now. Let's go back to the text, okay? So having, having received that, that when we receive Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, let's go back to the text, Acts chapter 2, and talk about what's happening there. As I said just a minute ago, um, this, this passage of Scripture happens after Jesus is crucified, resurrected. He is now ascended into heaven, and he has baptized all of his followers, about 120 people that were in an upper room, and he was, they were all baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter begins to preach a message to everyone that was around to hear what was going on. And as Peter preaches the message, they all get convicted because they're like, oh, we messed up. Like this man that walked around claiming to be the Messiah, he was the Messiah. We made a mistake. And, and so they ask the question, well, what can we do? And that's when Peter says what you need to do is you need to repent and you need to be baptized. So let's talk about those two things. Everybody say repentance. Now, that's a big churchy word, so let's break it down. Let me write it. I'm going to give you a definition. It's going to come up on the screens. Write this down. Repentance is a decision to turn away from your current lifestyle and make a decision to follow Jesus. That's what repentance is, okay? Big churchy word. It simply means that I need to move in the direction of Jesus, which should also mean that I'm moving away from the direction that I was walking before Christ. Now, now I'm not saying that before Christ... Um, every single one of you had some really, really bad things going on in your life. I know I get it. Sometimes people are like, but pastor, I'm a good person. Like I adopt puppies. Like I'm a good person, pastor. John. I, I, I get that. But if, if you're, if you're not walking in the direction of Jesus, uh, you're walking in another direction. And, and, and so repentance is universal applies to everybody. Like, 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 like whether, like, like, like whether you're saving whales, you know what I'm saying? Or, or you're just like doing your thing on the weekends, okay? Repentance is universal, and it simply means that now I'm making the decision to follow after Jesus. That, that's, this, this really what, what Peter was trying to express to the crowd. He said, repentance says, I was walking in this direction, but now that I've received Christ, I can no longer walk in that direction. Now I've got to walk in this direction. And, and the reason I'm talking about this today, building on what we said last week, is sometimes people make a decision to receive Christ, but they don't change course. They, like, they, they make a decision to receive Christ, but they're still walking away from Christ. It's kind of like if I were to put in directions, a destination in my GPS, if I were to put in this is the address that I want to go to, I've got to now walk in the direction of my destination. Well, Jesus is our destination. Okay, so so when you make a de- when you make a decision to follow Christ, you're saying Jesus now is my destination. My goal is to become like him. My goal is to follow his teachings. My life is to be lived in the way of Jesus, practicing the ways, the rhythms of Jesus. That's the goal of my life. And, and, and so it's like putting that destination in your GPS. And the cool thing about this is that how many know that sometimes if you've ever been driving with the GPS on, and this happens to me all of the time because I have an amazing, beautiful wife, and, uh, and, and I'll be talking to her, and how many ever, like, in the middle of a conversation, I'm having this great conversation with my spouse. I'm trying to earn brownie points right now, okay? So I'm having this great conversation with my wife, and I, I forget that it was telling me to turn, and I didn't turn. And she's like, hey, you missed the turn. 
oh, my bad. And what I love about it is the GPS will reroute you. And in the same way, when you make the decision to follow Jesus and the Holy Spirit is working in your life, it doesn't mean that you're always going to arrive at your destination perfectly and in one piece. Sometimes we'll make mistakes. But how many know that God redirects our path? How many know that God doesn't give up on us? How many know that God has fresh mercy every morning, his mercies are new every morning, and we can get back on track? Now, that's one thing, and that's a good thing. That's gospel right there. That's good news. Now, the, the bad news is, is if I put in the destination in my coordinates, but I'm intentionally going the wrong way, I mean, there's nothing he can do to help me. You know what I mean? Like, like if I put in my destination that I am on my way to the Oceanside Pier, but if I start heading to El Centro, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I said my destination was. If I keep taking the 8 East, I'm never going to get to the pier. I'm never going to get there. And so that's why repentance is I'm going to turn from the direction that I was walking in, and now I'm going to walk towards Jesus. And, and, and the Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that. The Holy Spirit gives us the power to do that because I get it. You guys are saying, but Pastor Josh, it's not always easy. My spouse is not a believer. Um, yeah, I work in a crazy environment. Uh, I come from a crazy family. I'm like the only one who's saved in my family. I get all of that. And the good news is you're not alone. That's why I, I spent the first part of my message telling you that you've got power on the inside of you. You're not alone. He's going to be with you. I love that he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's going to be with you always. I, I read a passage from John chapter 16. If you really want to be encouraged, read all of John chapter 16 when you get home. It's just talking about how much he loves you. Like if, if you're feeling unloved, if you're feeling alone, or if you're feeling like you're unworthy, do yourself a favor. Read John 16, and you're going to see just how much he loves you. You're going to see just how much he cares for you. You're going to see just how much the Father thinks of you. Sometimes we have all this negative talk going on in our heads. But let me tell you, if God thinks that much of you, you ought to be taking his vision for your life. <laughs> unplug the toxicity. Unplug the negativity. And start listening to what the Father says about you. Again, John 16, that's why we go back to our word. Because I'm, I'm more of my, what my word says about me and less of what this world says about me. And so repentance is something that we've got to do. We, we've got to change course, but we're not alone in this. For all of you, they're like, easier to say than to do, Pastor. No, I get that. I get that, but you're not alone. And, 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 and this will be tough love, okay? I love you. I love you all, Lighthouse Church. I love you. I was your pastor. I love you. But you're not a victim, okay? And, and, and that's why he sends his spirit to fill you. So you can walk around and say, there's no way I can do, Pastor Josh. You don't understand my situation. It's just so difficult, Pastor Josh. Y you got to hang in there. You got to trust and believe that his spirit on the inside of you is going to give you the power to change. Can, okay, this ain't in my notes, but can I, can I just, I love to teach in the Bible and bring applicability. Let me just teach the Bible just real, real quick, real quick, and then we'll move on, okay? The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, he was the Pharisee Saul. And he went around killing Christians. That, that's just what he did. You can read it in Acts 6, the first act when he was there, when they killed the first Jesus follower. Paul was right there, Saul at the time, holding the coats, consenting to the death of Stephen, the deacon in the church. And then later you get to Acts chapter 9. 
Saul has a radical conversion, a radical conversion with God. He's on his way to Damascus. He's on his way to round up more Christians because that's what he thought his mission was. He thought he was worshiping his father. He thought he was worshiping his God by by rounding up arresting Christians and and bringing them before a religious court to, to, to face punishment. And God radically transforms Saul on that road to Damascus. Let me take a little step further and what my big point of it is. So Saul has this radical encounter with God. And then the Bible tells us that he comes back to Jerusalem because Jerusalem's the epicenter of the church. You want to know what the you want to know what the, 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 the leaders of the church did to Saul when he showed up? They said, look, brother. I don't know where you got to be, but you can't stay here. You, you, you can't stay here. And Saul, in that moment, he's like, well, wait a second, I'm changed. God came and he filled me. And they're like, listen, the church ain't ready for you yet because you killed too many of our aunties, uncles, cousins, mamas, dad. Like, like, we're not ready for you, Saul. And so Saul has to leave Jerusalem, and he has to spend time in a desert in isolation and, and because the church wasn't ready for him. What's the point of all that, Pastor Josh? My point being is as difficult as it was For Paul, in that moment, the Holy Spirit kept working on him. The Holy Spirit kept him tethered. The Holy Spirit never let him get too far. The Holy Spirit didn't let him abandon his faith. I mean, you come to a church on a Sunday, and we welcome you here. And we say you have a home here. You have a community here. You have family here. Could you imagine someone getting radically saved? And we're like, listen, we know Jesus touched your life, but you can't be here. You got to go somewhere. Go hang out on El Centro. You can come back later. And they don't know the exact time, but some say Paul had to go away for 14 years before he could come back to Jerusalem. 14 years, everybody. That's like older than my oldest son. That's a long time to wait for people to finally be ready for you. That's a long time to wait. And and yet that's what he was willing to do. And what kept him tethered was the Holy Spirit. Everybody say the Holy Spirit. But, but he made a decision to follow Jesus. So he was no longer going to go in that church. He made a decision to repent from what he was doing and follow Jesus. So, so I say all of that to let you know, if you feel like you're alone, listen, there are other people that can relate to you. If you feel like you have it rough, listen, there's a man named Paul. He can relate to you. He had it rough too. So I'm here to encourage you that God does not leave you alone, but he puts his spirit on the inside of you. And when he puts his spirit on the inside of you, he's given you power to change. He's given you power to change. Now, it may not always be instant, and I know that's going to be the challenge because so many of us, we live in a generation where we want things quick. It's like if we don't get our drive through order in a minute, we're losing our patience. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, it's like we, we, we don't know, and especially the younger generation that never had to deal with dial-up internet. <laughs> it's like you don't know the struggle. You, you'll never know the struggle of being online and your mom interrupting because she had to make a phone call and call her sister and it just ended your internet experience. You'll never know the struggle. I think that's why we have so much patience. Some of us are in the 40 plus category. You know what I mean? We're like, we live through the dark ages of the internet. And it's like you take Wi-Fi away from a kid and you might as well put them in purgatory. They're just like, you have no Wi-Fi? I'm like, and, <laughs> and so with repentance, let me just encourage you in this. I'm going to move on. With repentance, just know. Sometimes it's going to take a little while. So some of you, listen to me. Listen to me. It took you a lifetime to build up that bad habit. You think it's going to be gone in 30 minutes? 
Now, sometimes God will do it. Like, like sometimes God will do the miraculous and he'll heal you instantaneously. I'm not saying that can't happen. But most of the time, most of the time in scriptures, no, Paul, hang out in the desert for 14 years. You can come on back when we're ready for you. 14 years, hang out. Deal, just, we're not ready for you, Paul. So in the same way as we repent, just know that it might feel like baby steps. But listen, tell your, tell your neighbor, just keep on walking. Come on, baby, just keep on walking. Don't give up. Hang in there. God's not done with you. We're not done with you. And, and you're going to get to your destination. All right, let's talk about the next thing, and then we're going to wrap it up. Last thing here. Then Peter says this. You need to get baptized. Everybody say baptized. <laughs> Baptism comes from the Greek word bapto. And that word bapto in Greek simply means to dip. If you're taking notes, write that down. It comes from the Greek word bapto, which simply means to dip. Now, now baptism didn't start there. Like, like this, this ritual of baptism to be completely submerged in water uh, for forgiveness of sins, that's what Peter was talking about, actually has its roots earlier in Judaism. It was a cleansing ritual that you see in the Old Testament. That's why sometimes Jesus would heal somebody, and then he would tell them, now go wash yourselves and present yourself to the priest. He would say, go, go dip yourself, go wash yourself, because there were purification rituals in Judaism that when Paul said, now you need to be baptized, he was tapping into some things that they knew, but giving it new meaning, giving it new weight. He's giving it new significance. Now, now why did Peter say, hey, you've received Christ. You've repented, but, but you got to take the next step of baptism. Well, part of the reason he did that is because this was so heavily commanded by Jesus. Let me read a few passages of scripture to you. This is Jesus talking. Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught that baptism was a command. Everybody say a command. He, he taught that baptism was a command for his believers to follow. And again, this is the ritual. That, that many of them were already familiar with. And what he was saying, and, and write this down about baptism, what the implication of all of this was simply this. Baptism is taking what was once a personal and private decision to follow Jesus, and now you're making that decision public. I'll say that one more time. Your baptism is taking a decision, a private and a personal decision to follow Jesus, and now going public with that decision. Now, there's some implications. Absolutely. At the time that, Pe at the time that Peter said that, that, that's all they had to go off of. Paul later would come and give context to it. Paul would contextualize that, and he would teach that when we are baptized into the body of Christ, the church, we are united together as the body of Christ. So, so baptism unites us together with the church. Um, the scriptures teach us that baptism forgives us of our sins by washing them away. Another thing that we are taught is that baptism unites us with Christ because just as Christ was buried and he resurrected, the act of baptism is an act of burial and 
resurrection as well. Let me give you one last verse. This is from Peter. Peter was a savage. He, he, he was like, 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 this is important, everybody. This, this is not optional. This is what Peter said. He said, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What he was saying is that the act of baptism, it saves us because of the resurrection of Christ. It's a uniting act with the resurrection of Christ. Now, let me dispel some of the silliness that I've grown up hearing in church all my life. Because when you've been in church as long as I have, you hear it all. Some people say, Pastor Josh, but, but if I must be baptized, doesn't that kind of mean that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't enough? Like, like if I say yes to Jesus in a worship service, but baptism Sunday isn't for two weeks, and let's just say hypothetically, Pastor Josh, on the way to the baptism, I get in a car accident and I die. Am I going to hell, Pastor Josh? I've heard all kinds of silly things like this growing up in church all my life. Everybody trying to come up with all these silly scenarios about what does it mean. Does, like, like, Pastor Josh, but, but didn't he save me? Absolutely, he saved you. And, and there's nothing that we can do. I want you to hear me good, Lighthouse Church. There's nothing that we can do to add to what he's already done for us. Because if we need to add to what he has done for us, then it's no longer the finished work of Christ. But when Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. He said, it is done. He, he, he said, there's nothing else that you all can do for yourselves that I've not already done for you. That's the good news of the gospel right there. He says, it's done. But yet... Peter said, go and be baptized because what it is going to do is going to unite us with the act of his resurrection. What it is going to do is going to unite us with his bride, the body of Christ. It's going to unite us into his plans for us. And again, he commanded it. But, but like, was he serious? What do you, what do you think? <laughs> he commanded. So, so it's something that we should do. It's something that we should not put off. It's something that we should do as our next step of obedience. And, and this is why when we, we do baptism here at Lighthouse Church, if you've never been a part of it, and, and I'm really hoping that this today will be a day for those of you that have received Christ but have never yet taken the step, that you would make a decision to take this step. We do it right here. We bring, the, we bring the water right over here. And it's a big old party. It's just a part of our worship service. And it's a celebration. And what I love about it is you are making a declaration to everybody here that I'm here, I, I made a decision to follow Jesus. I, I made a decision to follow him. I've given my life to Christ. I, I've repented from the person that I used to be, and I'm now following him. And, you know, we can even, if we were able to, not that I love to do this, but, but let me do this just, let, let me just layer this one, one further step, okay, and then I'll let you out of here. But even if we stripped the spiritual implications from it and just went, like psychological, sociological with it. Did you know that you have a higher degree of sticking with decisions that you've made once you go public with your decisions and asking people to hold you accountable because you've gone public with it? Like, like it's just, that's why so many people, they like to go to those gyms where they have the workout challenges. 
And, and, and those are great things. Why? Because you're doing it in community. You're, you're making a decision that you're going to have this change towards a healthy lifestyle. And, and the probability of success is far higher when you've done it in public. Now, not that you needed that sort of psychological, sociological reason to make a decision to get baptized, but I just sometimes love layering spiritual decisions with natural implications. So when you make a decision to go public, you've got people around you that are cheering you on. You've got people around you who are in your corner. You've got people around you who want to see you win and not see you fail. You got people around you that are going to be with you when things aren't going right. You got people around you who are going to celebrate you when you get to the top of your mountain. And that's why we do baptism in public. And that's why Jesus commanded us to do it so that we would do it together as a great big church family, all marching towards God's purpose for us. Come on, give God some praise for that. Let, let me give you. What happens in this story before we close? So the Bible says that after Peter said that, 3,000 people, everybody say 3,000. That's a good number right there. 3,000 people made a decision to repent and to be baptized. And they were added to the church in that moment. And I've often asked myself, like, God, that's a big number. Why, why such a big number? And I think the reason is God needed a certain level of critical mass. Not that he needed, but I think he wanted, I think he knew that if there was a certain critical mass of 3,000 people added to the church, they could go and change the world. Like, like, like 3,000 that said yes to Jesus and got water baptized, I mean, they can go and make a dent, and that's exactly what they did. As a matter of fact, so powerful was the decision of 3,000 on that day. We are here today because 3,000 people said yes to Jesus and it put wind behind the wings of the church and here we are today because of 3,000 people that said yes. That's the power of a decision. Now let me talk about you because you might be thinking, well, Pastor Josh, what, what does my decision to follow Jesus and, and what does my decision to go public with my faith, like what could possibly come of that? Let me tell you this. You may not change the world with your decision, but you will absolutely change someone's world with your decision. Let me talk to all the dads in the room right now. Fathers, there are studies that show that when you make a decision to follow Jesus, there is a 93% chance that all of your family is going to make a decision to follow Jesus. That's how powerful the decision of a father is. You're going to be impacting your family. And you'll never know when you go public with your faith just how great of an impact you're going to have. But I promise you, when you make that decision to follow Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, you're going to start changing somebody's world. I'm, I'm here today because someone saw fit to preach the gospel to my grandfather. Someone saw fit to preach the gospel to my great-grandfather. I am here today because someone in my family said yes. You're all here today because somebody said yes. Now imagine if you say yes, who's going to follow? Imagine if you say yes, who's going to come after you? You'll never know who's going to come after you because of your yes. I didn't share this earlier, but let me share it now because we are coming up on our four-year anniversary. I want to I honor all of the people that joined us for day one of Lighthouse Church because there were 74 of us inside of a coffee shop. 
And because of your yes, we now have over 300 people gathering every Sunday, receiving, worshiping, giving, impacting our city. 74 people said yes. And, and many of you today, you weren't part of that original 74. Let me tell you, you were the reason for that 74, though. Like, like, like you're sitting in someone's sacrifice. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy. You weren't there at Mission Hills High School when we had to tear down a library and set up a children's church. We had struggles early on. Then it got really crazy, and they told us we couldn't meet there because of the pandemic, and we understood. But we continued forward because of a personal decision that so many people made. And I'm just here to encourage you. Those of you that have not yet been water baptized, don't delay. We're doing baptisms next month, and I'd love for you to sign up. If you would like to sign up for water baptisms at the end of our service, go to the Start Here Canopy. Let them know I'm in. It's on April 24th. That gives you enough time to invite all your friends, your family, your mama, your daddy, your crazy uncle that needs Jesus like 10 times more than you do. You know what I'm saying? Like, like tell everyone you know. But, but water baptism is your next step. And for those of you that last Sunday, again, 12 people said yes to Jesus for the first time. If you've never been water baptized, that, that's your next step. And we would love to celebrate together with you. But, again, Peter said repent and be baptized. And for anyone that's like, but pastor, I repented a long time ago. Just know. Let me talk to my safe, safe folks in the church right now. Everyone that's been safe for a long time. If you're like, but that's not for me, pastor. It absolutely is for you. Every single day we make a decision to repent, to turn from the direction we are headed, and to follow God. Every single day we still make decisions to follow Jesus. We, we still make decisions to follow Jesus. I, every year I've got a different focus for where I'm going in my journey with Christ. And, and this year I've really been leaning into prayer. I've really been leaning into to developing my prayer life. Because the type of church that I grew up in, we only prayed one way. And it was loud. <laughs> it was highly emotional. And it was always in another tongue. Like, that was it. Like, if you weren't doing that, you were not praying. Like, you were, you were like kind of praying, praying, but you weren't praying, praying. And now I've come to just learn to sit in silence and receive from God. And, and, and what I do in my silence is I then say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me the things in my life that are moving me in an opposite direction of Jesus. So let, let me bring those hidden things in the dark and shine the light of God's love on them so that I can bring great change to them. So for those of you that are like, Pastor Josh, that was great for all the new people, but you had nothing in there for me. Every day, we should be examining our motives. We should be examining our hearts. We should be examining our inner man and asking ourselves, am I living the way God wants me to live? Come on, let me pray for all of you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for your goodness, and we thank you for your grace. I thank you, God, for every person that is here. And I especially, Lord God, thank you for the people that are getting ready to make a decision to be water baptized. Would you begin to soften their hearts, Lord God, and work the ground? God, I pray that we would live, live a lifestyle of repentance, that it's just not a one-time moment. It wasn't just something we said once in a service, never to be said again. But God, would you continually reveal to us the areas of our life that need to be changed, the areas of our life that are pulling us in a direction that is opposite of your plans for us? Would you continue to show us, Lord God, how we can become more like you? Would, would repentance be an active part of who we are? people who are continually drawn to you, people who are continually coming back to you, people who are continually examining our inner selves and shining the light of your love on it. We thank you in advance. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Hey, this is the last thing I'm going to do. We did this in the first service. It was so amazing. But if you've never been water baptized, in a minute I'm going to ask you to make a decision to do that. I'm going to give it just like we do with most of our services where we say, hey, you know, close your eyes for the privacy of those that are making the decision to receive Christ. But today, it's going to be a decision to get water baptized. We had two people raise their hands. Come on, somebody. We had two people in the first service said, sign me up for water baptism next month. I am in. But if you've never been water baptized, that is your next step if you've already received Christ. And we would love to do that with you. So would you close your eyes and bow your heads the last time I ask you to do it. And if, if, if you've never been water baptized and next Sunday... Next month, I'm sorry, next April, you want to make a decision to take that next step and go public with your faith. Would you raise your hands right now? If you were, if you're saying next month, I am in on making that decision. I am taking that next step. Come on, let's clap our hands for the people that are raising their hands right now. We see you. So all you've got to do is head over to the Start Here Canopy. Let them know that you would like to sign up for water baptism. I'd love to meet you at my book table. I talk a lot about baptism in my book, and it walks you through those next steps. But let's all stand up on our feet right now. We're going to worship together. We're going to open up these altars for anybody who wants to pray. We love you, Lighthouse Church. Have a great rest of your Sunday. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.